Well, oh, hang on just a minute. Hello. This is the man that never presses buttons. Hi, welcome to the show. Um, it is, um, let me just see, let me just start all this all over. Because I'm the man whose fingers are no jolly good. There we go. Hi. <laughs> Hi, welcome. This is Paul English Live. It's Thursday, the 18th of January, 2024. We're here on WBN324.zil. This is the show where we take a look at things in the past, the present and the future, like everybody else, but with particularly an emphasis on the past. Welcome to this week's show. And this week I'll be having fun pressing buttons, because I always do, and uh, if you've seen the image for this week's show, and of course if you're on the radio you won't have seen it, um, it's an illustration by David Dees. Some of you may be familiar with him, it's a, a very old illustration and one that I've cherished for a long time. So what I can hear you pondering is the image all about. Well, it's a picture of the Federal Reserve. You know those guys? From quite a few years ago, it's got uh, Alan Greenspan in it and Ben Bernanke and somebody else smoking a large cigar. It's a, it's a cracking picture and sets the theme for tonight's show, or at least the starting point. Regular listeners will know that I, uh, I tend to come back to banking as a base uh, as a base subject, and why not? It's pretty base. It's full of very base people, actually. Ah, yeah, welcome back. I always have something. <laughs> There's always something going on here. And, I, you know, it doesn't matter how much prep you do, you still haven't got enough fingers. At least that's uh, that's the motto. But uh, I'm uh, I'm having a cracking start to 2024. I don't know about you. Um, I'm finding absolutely um, uh, marvellous, really. I'm feeling pointlessly buoyant and uh, uh, positive about all sorts of things, particularly as uh, a lot of sort of space opens up in my life. I don't mean interstellar space. I just mean sort of uh, time to do some some new things. This is by design. So you're a bit, a bit like you have a spring cleaning. Mine's kind of started early. Um, so I, I don't think I've ever been as busy over the past uh, week or so since we got back into the new year. Um, last week's show, for those of you that tuned in, um, the guest was Dennis Wise, and uh, it was a very popular show, uh, particularly with me, uh, which sounds ridiculous, but it was, because uh, 
I've uh, <coughs> I've spoken to Dennis on and off for years, and we've done all sorts of little sort of communications together. But uh, that was the first time I've ever been able to get him on a show. Not that I've been trying too hard, and uh, lots of positive stuff. So, Dennis, if you hear this, thanks for last week. And, uh, of course, the door is always open for your return, and I'm looking to get that organised in due course. Um, we had uh, I had uh, some people that I know actually tuned in, you know, in real life, that kind of thing. And uh, they informed me that uh, they found the whole thing quite amazing and in terms of what we were touching at. If you're an old lag at this sort of stuff, that is sticking your nose into the back end of history and coming out with very, very different answers, which is generally what you will always be doing, um, then that might be sort of like, mm. but for people who are just stumbling into this arena, this is pretty big stuff, I think. And it's very easy um, if you've been around doing research for many, many years, reading and studying and ploughing through all sorts of dirty little fields of disinformation and deceit, you can become a little bit blasé about what you know. In fact, uh, you almost like forget really what it is you know and, and can't take into account the fact that other people are a little bit, well, not as well informed as you. And of course, we're all seeking to be more in well informed tomorrow, I suspect, at least I am. Uh, than I am today or yesterday. Now, weather reports. It's the English thing to do, isn't it? Um, it's cold still. Still cold here. Not as cold as it is in America, where it's ridiculously cold, I understand. It's very, very, almost stupidly cold. In fact, someone's due to turn up here a little bit later uh, on the show who's been having a very, very cold time of it indeed. So, uh, no doubt we can we can talk about American weather as well. But I keep on getting sent charts from America um, showing just how much snow and coldness there is, even in the southern states. So, um, colder than we get here, really. I think it's because we are protected, as I've said before, by that Gulf Stream thing off the coast of Ireland. Um, in fact, um, a few years ago, I knew someone who moved to the Shetland Islands, which is, if you look it up on a map, it's way north even of Scotland. And yet, in the winter, it's pretty warm because of the uh, of the Gulf Stream running past there. So... Maybe we should all move to the Shetland Islands. Although, if you like golf, it's probably not the place to go because there's only one golf course. And you probably think that I do like golf. And I think I used to, but I just can't find the time to go out and wear my legs off. Uh, I'm particularly getting cross trying to find the ball. That's the that's the most exhausting part of the whole thing. Um, anyway, while I was down at the beach this week, taking my wife out for a jaunt, as one does, we were we did that archetypical thing here in England. We were sat... Um, on the uh, looking out at sea, it's very nice actually on the uh, seaside. And a couple uh, just came, similar age, you know, very very young. And <laughs> no, not really. Uh, another couple rocked up, sat down, and we just got talking because I'm quite chatty. And we talked. It was a tremendous conversation. It really was. Uh, Richard and Tracy. Not that they'll necessarily be listen listening because I didn't give them my card because I don't have one. Note: must get one made. Uh, we had a wonderful talk about the state of the country, uh, about the state of our little town uh, where we're in, um, just about everything. And I just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And we went quite a long way in the conversation. We were looking and talking about really the massive misunderstandings that we have, not just in England, but all over the place with regards to most of the major events of the last century and even before that. Um, so we ran up and down the timelines a little bit, and I always take an opportunity to speak to people. Uh, don't normally get as far in conversation uh, with people that I meet as I did with Richard and Tracy that day. Um, and that was on Tuesday, I think. But a good time was had by all. And maybe uh, because we have a little meeting where, uh, 
round here every couple of weeks. I meet up with, you know, people in real life in the pub. I think I've mentioned that before um, because that's where you're supposed to meet, I guess. And um, uh, maybe they'll rock up. So who knows? They're not going to be interviewees on the show. Don't worry about that. I don't think that's going to be happening. But uh, it's just great to bump into people who are very, very curious about things because they've obviously, like a huge number of people, been alarmed by what's been taking place over the last few years. So, tonight's theme, banking. So, you want to be a banker, do you? Um, I don't suppose that was ever asked of you at school. And I have touched upon the banking theme here before, and I'm going to return to it regularly, probably, I suspect, although I hope not, for the rest of my life. Um, Because, as I've mentioned here before, there have been many, many great men in our past throughout Western Christian civilization over the last two or three hundred years in particular, who understood absolutely that there was a menacing problem with regards to how our, our, (laughs) how the banking system works and to whose benefit and what's really going on. And the great challenge with it, of course, is that uh, you go to school, we all went to school, right? Well, apart from a few of you out there. Um, which is probably not such a bad thing these days. I don't know if real schools still exist, but we went to school, we got taught certain things, particularly reading and writing and arithmetic, all the R's, supposedly. But we didn't get taught much about banks. Uh, And as I mentioned here before, that's a little odd, because it happens to be one of the most influential and powerful forces that operate in all of our lives, all over the place, in terms of it either aiding uh, your relationships with members of the opposite sex or getting in the way. Gentlemen will know exactly what I'm talking about, um, as will the ladies, no doubt, too. Um, that you set certain goals around it, and yet, when you look at it, no one really has much of a clue as to what's actually going on. Certainly, if you're not taught it at school, why should you be expected to have much of an idea of what's going on? You shouldn't, really, should you? And most people don't. And yet here we are in a nation. I happen to be in England. You happen to be in America or you happen to be in Australia or wherever you may be. You're in a nation where your government, supposedly entities and people that are working for you, (laughs) you know, but let's go along with it. Apparently they love us, right? They really do care. They really, really do, you know. And uh, they're working for you to manage the affairs of the nation. And yet, when you begin to dig into it, you find out that that's not really what's going on. And that effectively, the political class all over the place is to a great degree hijacked. It's been captured by the forces of high finance, um, to, uh, to call it that. You know, I mean, why wouldn't we call it that? We would call it that, wouldn't we? Um, and this force that has captured it is not new. There's nothing new about it. It's ancient in scope um, because it began to some degree really with Babylon and the charging of interest. And when you think about our situation, it's one of the oddest things of them all. I mean, there's, you know, we could talk here. I could talk here. Maybe at some point I will. We'll evolve the conversations moving along, but I'm still very keen on this one. We could talk here about all the latest dramas of the day. There are many. There have been strange creatures coming out of tunnels in New York recently. There have been bombs going off. There's just no shortage 
of drama to keep us engaged and emotionally off kilter most of the time. It's very effective. I get sucked into it too. Um, I've mentioned here before that I uh, I try not to react or respond to those things too quickly. I always have a sort of second or third view after three or four days. It's a bit like letting a good meal go down before you actually rush onto the pudding. I think you've got to really digest some of these things and see a bigger picture about where everybody's attention is being sent. So that kind of information, those kinds of dramas, draw everybody's attention in very easily, and the news is built on it. It's absolutely built on it, this sort of psychological condition that we have where bad news travels faster than good. Um, we're kind of addicted to being scared a bit. That's the wrong way to describe it, but, you know, there's nothing. I haven't said anything new here. You'd all be familiar with that. And so, you know, in, in the field of journalism, we've ended up with a an ever-descending spiral of sensationalism, ending up in yellow journalism, red, blue, whatever colour it is, that kind of stuff. And uh, whoever comes out with the most sort of the tabloid rag of the day is the one that ultimately will get the biggest uh, circulation because it's appealing to people at a baser level. Now, there's nothing really wrong with that, it seems to me, except when it's all that people consume, and then it becomes very damaging. And unfortunately, it always ends up like that. It always ends up that people end up consuming the worst stuff for the greatest period of time. So, if you're sort of charged up with the dramas of the day, or you're, you've been sucked into watching soap operas on TV with just masses of emotional stuff flying around, when somebody sits down and says, would you like to talk about fractional reserve banking systems? You can imagine that it's about as, it's a very dull thing. And yet, and yet, this force is the force that I am going to suggest to you, dear wonderful listeners, is the force that we absolutely must transform if we're going to have any chance, in many ways, of bringing our society or societies, our nations, back to a point of rational health and decency. Because the uh, the nature of banking is such that it literally chews up everything in its path. And that's the reason why I have this little illustration on today of uh, Mr. Uh, Greenspan and uh, Mr. Bernanke from Donkey's Years Ago. Some of you long in the tooth will remember these people. These were uh, heads of the Federal Reserve in America, which is not federal, hasn't got any reserves, but it is in America. Um, and it occupies a similar sort of bogus position as does the Bank of England over here. Um, and yet hardly anybody knows about this or really inquires about it to such a degree. So a thought is this. If we are a nation of people seeking to manage and govern our own affairs, which let's work on the basis cheekily that we are, you know, if we are that sort of a people, how are we supposed to do it if an alien force or an alien thinking entity, an entity that thinks completely different to us, has different goals, is in charge of the monetary system that we use? Is it possible to bring about the sort of day-to-day -day living and life that we want when we have people who are using the most important aspect of our civilization for their benefit at our expense. It's just a, on one level, it's a no-brainer. But on another level, it's a question that is rarely, rarely asked. People just don't even know that they could ask that question. 
Now, when it comes to money, there's not too many songs about money, but this is one of them. Oh, and I've done it again, you know. I keep doing this, don't I? One day, one day, Paul, everything will everything will come come right. Yeah, <laughs> it won't, but it probably won't. You might remember this. Some of you will remember this. It's a wonderful little brief song about money. Yeah, you know, that stuff. I've got 90,000 pounds in my pyjamas. I've got 40,000 French francs in my fridge. I've got lots of lovely lira. Now the Deutschmark's getting dearer and my dollar bills would buy the Brooklyn Bridge. There is nothing quite as wonderful as money. There is nothing quite as beautiful as cash. Some people say it's folly, but I'd rather have the lolly. With money you can make a splash. There is nothing quite as wonderful as money. There's nothing like a newly minted pound. Everyone must hanker for the butchness of a banker. It's accountancy that makes the world go round. You can keep your Marxist ways, but it's only just a phrase. For it's money, money, money makes the world. Yes, and you must learn the words of that and sing them to your children. Do you really hanker for the butchness of a banker? I should jolly well hope not. And uh, you can keep your Marxist ways because it's merely just a phase. Wouldn't we like to think so? The thing about Marxism and communism is that it's funded by capitalism. In fact, uh, communism is the ultimate expression of capitalism because you get the entire nation in debt, the entire nation controlled through income tax and all these other dry dull, tedious topics that don't excite anyone. And yet, if you look at some of the most disastrous events that have happened in our recent history, such as World War II, I am going to suggest to you strongly that the banking element of it, if you ignore it, you won't understand the nature of the conflict at all. It's impossible to take it into account, uh, all of the actions that took place there without including banking as part of that scheme. Now, earlier today, uh, just as I was rummaging around thinking, well, what should we talk about today and all that kind of stuff, actually, I, I like talking about this stuff all the time. That's a, that's a key thing. But um, I, uh, uh, a good friend contacted me. I'm going to bring him on in a second because I can see he's arrived in the studio and hopefully he's hearing me right now. An old friend. Uh, and he, he, he came into the day so late, I didn't even have a chance to put him on the... Uh, on the billing stuff, on the, uh, you know, the uh, description of the show. Um, it's from uh, a site run by uh, Brother Nathaniel, who some of you will be uh, aware of who he is. He's a gentleman who was born into a Jewish family, which, of course, is synonymous with banking, but he's not a banker. And um, he, uh, however, he's a, a Christian of the Orthodox Church, I think, Russian Orthodox. I could have got that wrong, but uh, if you've seen him, you, you won't forget what he looks like. It's quite um, an interesting figure. Um, and he can say things that, that we, in, in certain capacities, are not allowed to say. I'm sure many people understand all that. But the title of the story is that Jews now own Bitcoin, he writes, January the 15th, 2024. And it's about BlackRock and Larry Fink and his pals apparently owning Bitcoin. Now, I haven't even gone through the article. I just want to speak very briefly about Bitcoin as being just another part of the problem, in my view, right? Um, which is, <clears throat> I've mentioned here before, about seven or eight years ago, no, it's even longer than that, when are we, 24, I think about 2015, something like that, 
There was a court case in New York where um, uh, Bitcoin, one of the great market makers, I've forgotten the name, Mountain This or something, the market makers are the people that enable dollars to go into Bitcoin and Bitcoin to come out, that kind of stuff. You know, the big exchange makers. They had a case, um, someone was prosecuting them or this, that and the other. And it was within the power of the judge at that moment in time to shut down these market makers. He could have shut them down quite easily for all sorts of reasons. And he did not. My view immediately was that this was a complete inside job, basically. I'm not saying that people have not benefited. That would be foolish. Of course they have. Some people have benefited from it astronomically. But like all other things, it's a bit like a sort of uh, a market rush and a Ponzi scheme to get things going. Uh, if you've benefited from it, well done. Uh, just know that there'll be many other people that are on the other side of the coin and haven't. A bit like Forex trading and all the other sort of whiz-bang gambling sort of scenarios that come with our monetary system. Um, and this uh, this article uh, was brought to me by uh, a good friend of mine. And uh, he just came in at the right time, actually. And I said, OK, well, we'll talk about this today. And I can see that he's in the studio. So I'd like to welcome to the show um, Eli James. Eli, are you are you there and with me? I think I am. You are. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I am. So right. I was. Yes. So w welcome to the. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about you very soon. But I, I obviously today I'm as I was just saying then I'm I'm looking around casting around for uh, for how, ways to flesh this out. You send me this article um, from uh, Brother Nathaniel regarding the uh, apparently the takeover of Bitcoin by BlackRock and. What's your what's your view on that? Okay, well, I've never in invested in Bitcoin, although I did accidentally on a couple of occasions because uh, investigating it, uh, you get free uh, free subscriptions to various Bitcoin operations, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they they give you some Bitcoin to start you off, right? And that's kind of like a hook, but I never bit. Anyway. My view is that I don't think the bankers can hack into cryptocurrency. I don't think they can hack into it. However, uh, I've been saying from day one, all the banksters need to do is get the uh, government to declare certain types of Bitcoin illegal. Mm -hmm. And then you have to turn it in. <laughs> <laughs> right, and if you keep on uh, using it, then they'll track you down—not hack you, but track you down, arrest you, and there goes your Bitcoin savings. Okay, yeah, that was my initial suspicion that that's how it's going to work, and I think what uh, De uh, Brother Nathaniel is trying to say is that is exactly what they're planning on doing. Okay, over to you. Yeah, yeah, you you talk about seizing Bitcoin. Um, now, didn't one of your presidents in the 1930s seize quite a bit of people's stuff? That would yeah, be... Yeah, gold. <laughs> FDR. That's right. Fe yes. Federal he... dictator Rosenfeld, as we like to call him <laughs> over here. Yes, absolutely. So it's not without precedent, is it, that the government will wage economic war on its own people uh -huh. by seizing its gold, apparently for, for Americans' benefit at the time. I'm sure it was very beneficial. Everybody was very probably overjoyed by it, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just marched down and gave up their gold. <laughs> right. But the Democratic Party uh, was much more powerful in those days. I don't know why, but I guess because, what's-his-face, Woodrow Wilson 
conducted this war and the war was successful and you know whenever you have a successful war the population converts to the party that won the war not not that we won the war by any means i'm talking about world war one of course Mm-hmm. But the public perception was that we won the war and it was Woodrow Wilson who got us into it. And rah, 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 the, 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 the troops come marching home, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You know, so it's really whenever oh, – and here's another thing the banksters do. Whenever they start getting bad press, which is very rarely, but the bad press is usually now these days coming not from the mainstream media but from alternative media. I mean, really bad press. I mean, yeah. really bad press. And uh, and you can see this all over the place. You can see it on YouTube. You can see it on a bit shoot. Every, everywhere you want to go, that's where this bad press is coming from regarding the international banksters. So, so they're going to have to do something to restore confidence, right? And then whenever they want need to restore confidence really badly, they start drumming the war the war machine right yes and i i can you see that happening in yemen and iran and israel israel i have a hard time saying that word do you Uh, you the the israeli state the israeli state as they call it Mm -hmm. yeah and so uh, it really looks like the war drums are beating and the bombs are being dropped Rockets are being shot, and it's not looking good for peace right now. Over to you. No, it's not. I mean, the the history of the banking situation is that whenever they get into trouble, there's always a war. I was talking about right? distractions just there in a general term, you know, in the opening piece there. <laughs> We're always distracted away from the key thing. By the way, Eli, I've just got to stop at the moment. Well, there appears to be a problem with Rumble. So just a quick shout out. If you're on Rumble, mind you, if they can't hear me, they can't hear me. If you right. can't hear me on Rumble, someone has said that Rumble has just gone dead. That Thank you for that comment, Eric, although I don't know quite what that means. I don't know why it's gone dead. We still show connected here at this end, so we're just having lots of technical fun and our technical trousers are being brought down in public once more. Um, so, yeah, anyway. I hope, I hope you're wearing Stars and Stripes underwear. Well, possibly not. No, I, I mean, if I, I am wearing underwear, of course, but it probably would be, not like you, it would be Stars and Stripes, it would be the Union right. Jack, of course, uh, you because, go. you know, I just I just do what I'm supposed to do as, a, as an English type and everything like that. Um, so, okay, well, look, I'm going to just have to say... Uh, Investigate. Uh, yeah, I'll have to investigate Rumble a little bit later. I don't know quite what to say. Everything is showing good here at this end, but if you're telling me that there's nothing coming through... Okay, fantastic. Sussex Man says, I am hearing... Okay, wonderful. Thanks very much. Rumble's fine. Brilliant. Okay, so little right. technical doodad over. Probably just an intermittent fault. Now, um, yeah, warfare. Um, I... As I mentioned earlier on, you know, last week I had Dennis Wise on here. We were talking about, obviously, what is referred to oh. as World War II and these other no, things yeah. as well, going on with all this kind of stuff. But you're you're right with – I mean, there seems to be such an escalation of drama at the moment. I know it's real. I'm not trying to make out that these things are not happening. But there's a, a, a hyper-intensive sort of attack taking place with some extraordinary foul event every sort of 10 or 12 days. Obviously, I mentioned in passing that we've had these creatures coming out of tunnels in New York recently, um, which is a massive distraction because, you know, the implications of it are appalling. Um, everybody's speculating, and yet they're right to speculate, 
given that there is a history of speculation in this area with regards to the activities of, well, not just Habad Lovovich, but acro- across the board. And yet, all of this thing is kind of intertwined, isn't it? Um, uh, it's like the non-fiction version of the X-Files. It is. It is, actually. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It's right? the non-fiction version. It's like unfolding, isn't it, in the real space? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. just, yeah, this the banking thing, just coming onto it as well, why it's so profoundly dull, which it is. I mean, it's not from a historical perspective when you've read about Roosevelt stealing everybody's gold or you understand exactly what took place to bring about the the Wall Street crash, which was orchestrated as well. Um, And there are other orchestrations that I noticed that are going on here. Right, I mean, the other day, yesterday, through the – I get one of these – cards come through the door you know you have leaflet drops all the time around here um and uh, if i had a real fire they'd make very good sort of kindling actually but you know we, we end up sort of throwing them away one of the little cards that came through eli was of um uh, somebody called uh, katie or somebody and it was printed up i could tell it was printed but in such a way that i was supposed to believe it had been written by someone in a biro you know that kind of thing so it looked like you know cursive writing and it, it was nothing of the sort anyway it says hey i'm very interested in buying your house <laughs> well that's okay lovely that that's great you know just turn up at the door with a suitcase full of cash or maybe some gold and uh, and we'll 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 have a chat but there is a a branch up here on the high street near me called webuyanyproperty.com or webuyanyhouse.com and they are going around, I assume. I've got to go in and have a chat with them. I want to know where they're getting their money from. Mm. Now, I mentioned BlackRock just there in that article with regards to Bitcoin. And over in the States, I think you've got something going on like this, that the housing stock is being bought up, is it not? That there's something taking place with them seeking to acquire ownership which is a word, or possession of as much property as they can. Some vast fund has been made available, trillions of dollars, I think, has just been, you know, manufactured out of thin air so that they can acquire this asset base uh, using paperwork and put us in a position where we've got to rent or we're more controllable. Uh, Are you aware of something like that taking place in the U.S.? Well, I'd say it pretty much started as a major operation when uh, who's that black guy that uh, he, he got sat on and choked to death? <laughs> Floyd, uh, I'm thinking Lloyd George. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, 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 George Floyd. No, Lloyd George was one of your prime ministers, right? He was. He was not so bad, uh, yeah. you know. In the end, he wasn't. But he was yeah. the guy that came out of Versailles after the you know 1919 and basically said, "We've just signed yeah. a document here that guarantees war in Europe within 20 years," and he was bang on the nail, you know. Um, right, right. Well, it's George Floyd, the, right. uh, the the black the black guy who wanted to uh, shoot his pregnant uh, girlfriend in the stomach, mm-hmm. and it was eventually kind of he was uh, high on cocaine all the time and uh, other drugs, and uh, so they had a riot. Okay, yeah. by by they I mean the likes of BlackRock and their promoters and even richer people than Larry Fink. There are in fact rich people who are richer than Larry Fink, and I would say there's a lot of uh, British bankers, banksters mm-hmm. who are richer than Larry Fink, etc. You know, Federal Reserve banksters, th- those type of people. So, but nevertheless, Larry Fink uh, says here, according to Brother Nathaniel, he owns mm-hmm. BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, 
all three. Now, how many trillions is that mm -hmm. worth? <laughs> right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And that he has entered into a partnership with Gary Gensler, who runs the Securities and Exchange Commission, and, you know, shaking hands and, uh, you know, as uh, Meyer Amschel Rothschild said, give me the power to issue a nation's currency, and I care not who makes its laws. However, what you're talking about right now is the uh, the uh, Klaus Schwab uh, syndrome, which <laughs> is to, you will own nothing and be very unhappy, <laughs> right? So in Minneapolis, the uh, the riots in Minneapolis actually started before the George Floyd operation. That's an, and it is an operation. Right. It's a deliberate political economic operation. And the purpose was to have blacks riot in Minneapolis, burn down their own neighborhoods and other people's neighborhoods so that it saves you the... Uh, the job of demolition. Yes. Or at least uh, the, it lowers the cost of demolition tremendously. And then uh, the people who used to own that stuff went bankrupt mm -hmm. because the insurance companies didn't want to pay. Yeah. And so then you just hire a few bulldozers, level it to the ground, and buy it up for, I would say, nano, nano cents on the dollar. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how it starts. So this is how they get possession of neighborhoods. And of course, the uh, Waikiki the operation as well using uh, you know, uh, electronic weapons to yep. burn whole neighborhoods down uh, again you, you're wiping out viable neighborhoods to level them to the ground so that you can put in housing that is for not for sale but for rent you will own nothing in other words you will be a renter mm -hmm. and be unhappy as a renter okay that's the plan I mean, yes. it started way before Klaus Schwab articulated it, but that's what's been happening. Okay, I, I, I think that kind of sums it up. I think it's a very good summary, Eli. I think you're absolutely spot mm -hmm. on. That's exactly what's happening. I mean, there's a there's a thing within banking, you know, within loans and stuff, uh, that the the mechanics of it, in very a simple term, as we can put across. Money is created as, a, as an entry into an account out of thin air. People have a problem with this. I don't have a problem with any of it. I have a problem with who owns it. That's really one. My problem is that if we all owned it literally directly as shareholders, instead of having a birth certificate, you've got a share certificate in your nation's bank at the point of birth, right? And only you people can own your bank because it's a shared resource. It's actually a measuring system. It's not meant to be a thing that makes money. Of course, that's what it's, exactly what it's become. Then we would have a different sort of uh, situation, although you would have to defend it in other, in other ways. It's been, you know, attacked. But the what happens is that the money is made up out of thin air. It's lent into circulation as an interest-bearing debt. And here's the kicker. When it's paid off, the bank is in a much worse situation because whilst it's issued as a debt, it's classed as an asset of the bank. The bank's debts are classed as an asset. And so what that literally means is that prosperity, that is economic balance in a family's life, in a town's life, in a village's life, in a city's life. If you get people operating in a good way so that they eat good food, and there's a big task ahead for all of us, and they and they can replenish their clothing budgets, and they can maintain their houses and, and do productive work, and life is balanced, are harmonious and settled in a way that we all know is possible. If that happens, the banks effectively go out of business because the requirement to borrow money from them 
disappears. And there yes. was a situation, right. you know, in America in the 1800s about, and this is after the Civil War or so-called Civil War, um, this would be 1880s, 90s, when they were beginning to really push hard to try and introduce uh, what ultimately became the Federal Reserve. There were situations, basically, there was so much natural prosperity taking place that the big banks in the north, their loan book was drying up. It was drying up because right. people were actually prosperous, you know. And I've used this example before. Let's suppose you were alive then. I mean, it's better if I illustrate it with you, an actual American as opposed to me. So you're alive then. We say you're in Baltimore, you've got a shoe factory, and you decide, you suddenly realize there's an awful lot of people building up out in the West, in California, and they all need shoes. And you go, I'm just the guy for this. I'm going to build a shoe factory out there. Now, today, what you would be faced with is you go along to the bank and you say, I need X million dollars to build my shoe factory. And they go, yeah, that's lovely. That's fantastic. And they'll lend it to you if they think you're a good chap and all that kind of stuff. And away you go. And then you owe the bank money. And you and your business and all your employees are effectively working for the bank for quite a while. This mm -hmm. is with an asset that they didn't even have. They actually create it of thin air. So this is literally a parasitical entity. There's no other way to describe it. It's a parasite is banking. And it's draining the energy of everybody. So that's what they would do today. But back then, what was happening is you'd done so well from selling shoes in the Baltimore area, you didn't need to borrow any money. You you, right. you had piles of cash. You had gold, whatever you'd got. You go, I don't need this. So banks And you couldn't make shoes fast enough. Couldn't make shoes fast enough. Mm -hmm. Couldn't make shoes. Everybody wanted shoes in this example. That's what's going on. I mean, it might not have been just shoes, but there were all sorts of things happening, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, slippers, <laughs> any sort of shoes you like to, 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 to right. keep it rolling through. And um, so you, you're making them an irrelevant service, and they are an irrelevant right. service. You don't need them. You know, the idea of private banks competing at interest rates is insane. It's absolutely mm -hmm. insane. Um, I liken it to like tape measures. The, the, the way that money is abused is like tape measures. The, the manufacturers of tape measures, these tape measures, for example, are used in the building industry to measure beams, right? And, and arch, everything. You, you've got tape measures. It's a fundamental thing. Oh, it might be laser tape measures now, but it, you get the idea. Does that mean that if I use a set of tape measures made by a certain company, that when I've put the building up, they say, well, we own that because you used our tape measures to measure it up? Do you see what I'm driving at? Right. Uh, it's I hope just those a, tape measures are standardized. That's right. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. They are. They are standardized. We know that an inch <laughs> is an inch. I'm not doing that metric nonsense. I hate that stuff. So an yeah, inch is an inch. But it's a, it would be a ludicrous claim. And yet the banks, because they're issuing these tokens called money, say, well, we issued them. We go, well, we don't want you to issue them. Why can't we issue our own? And, of course, this is this great crooked dynamic right at the very heart of the mess of your nation, mine, all the Western European nations, and any other nation that has a central bank. The central bank is an abusive, hostile uh, organization. It absolutely is. It couldn't survive if it were not. And yet you know and I know all the guff that spouted out of the TV with regards to the economy, the economy, all of it a completely artificial right. and bogus creation of drama, which, of course, unfortunately, has real-world terrifying effects. It does, absolutely. 
Well, it goes back to the Bible where, where it says that you shall have equal weights and measures, right? And if you're inflating the money supply constantly, you are changing the value of the, let's just call it a dollar or a shekel. Let's call it a shekel. Mm-hmm. And if you're changing the value of the shekel from one day to the next, that's not equal weights and measures. It's just like the uh, the uh, the merchant who has uh, one set of uh, weights for when he's selling stuff, yeah, <laughs> and another set of weights for when he's buying stuff, right? And those yes. weights are always in his favor. Well, that's forbidden. It is by our God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but nevertheless, there just about well more than three quarters of people, and just about everybody in the world is violating that provision by using uh, fiat money. Yes, they are. Which ha- which has no no standard value. <laughs> well, the okay. va- I, I, it doesn't not as an absolute thing, but in terms of um, it has value because of the belief that everyone else has in it. That's the thing that we're dealing with is group agreement. Yeah. In a huge, I know it's worthless. You know it's worthless, but they don't know it's worthless, so we keep using it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, right. okay. I, well, it it it's it kind of. It's a, I mean, now we're moving into this strange area, this sort of black magic area with money, where it it does become mm-hmm. slightly bewildering. I remember. Um, I've got a book on my shelf here called "The Lost Science of Money" by Stephen Zarlenga. And I've mentioned it here before on the show a couple of months ago. Zalenga is unfortunately no longer alive. But about 10 or 12 years ago, when I was really looking into gold in a, in a much more detailed way, because obviously gold has a certain emotional appeal to us. It's historical. It's ancient. It's like in the blood. Um, I had a, a long series of conversations with him, an email exchange. I spoke to him two or three times on the phone. And he was great. And he, you know, he was very calm. And he said, his main point was that money is a creature of law, and I agree with him. The question right. now is, whose law? That's that's mm-hmm. the question. Is it not? Yeah, any, any old law. <laughs> not the biblical law. <laughs> not the law. Right? I would agree yeah. with you. Not the law, not the actual mm-hmm. law, which describes the actual dynamics of living in truth. But and these, forbids usury. And forbids also. it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And forbids usury, because usury is the great parasitical chewer up of all good substance. It just will yeah, do right. that. Um, that's right. So it's whose law do we operate under? And of course, one of the things with the financial mob, as it were, is uh, the first one of the first areas that they subdue and corrupt is, of course, the operations of the courts. Um, because if you and I want to really go to town on this from a legal point of view, um, there's an awful lot of evidence backing up people like you and me to actually go in with a good case to actually get this thing sorted out. But where would we find a court that would hear it and would hear it in a clear and decent way where the members of the court were not already beholden to the banking cartel? It would be virtually impossible, wouldn't it? It is. It is. Although there are still places in America where at the lower court level where constitutionalist judges are still sitting on the bench, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a shoehorn <laughs> <laughs> ready to pluck them out at any moment. And uh, the reason I mention that is because uh, this is still about economics. Uh, John Gruden filed a lawsuit against the National Football, Football League. Now, this is recent, isn't it? Yeah, very recent, uh, because he was selectively uh, selected 
like our uh, politicians are, the, the ones who run for office are selected, they're not elected, they're selected by the super rich, so that uh, he felt uh, he was being targeted for, because he, he used, I think, the N-word yeah. in one of his emails, which is supposed to be private, not mm-hmm. public, right? Yeah, and uh, so he was, and then he uh, he described one black uh, black uh, agent's lips as being like a rubber tire, and it was, right. it, was, it, was it wasn't great stuff. However, nope. however, uh, Daniel, uh, the owner of the Washington Redskins, had done far worse. I mean, far worse. I mean, really far worse to to the extent that uh, his. Uh, cheerleaders were sent down to Acapulco and forced to perform topless for a bunch of bigwigs that he invited. And that never got publicized. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this one email gets publicized. And so the interesting thing about this case is, well, it's corporate law. However, it's also contract law. And common law comes into play here as well because because when this uh, leak took place of the emails, John Gruden was no longer an employee of the National Football League. Right. So is he now under contract or is he not? So common law will, will come to and the two, well, two sets of courts, but all run by female judges. The lower court in Nevada ruled in John Gruden's favor. They had no right to single you out. And yeah. she knew that the NFL was covering up for Daniel. I can't remember his last name. Well, he's now the former owner of the Washington uh, uh, Rednecks. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, okay. Is that, that, name? Is that I quite like that name. name from, I think that's quite good. Could they change yeah, it to that? Yeah. They could have. They could have changed from Redskins to Rednecks and kept the kept the same logo. What's the yeah. difference, right? So anyway, now it's the Commanders. Anyway, so the the owner Daniel is one of the most corrupt people on the face of this earth, and the NFL is covering up for him. I have to tell you, the legal system in America still has an opportunity to expose all these corrupt people many of whom belong to a certain religious category that I know uh, shouldn't be talked about in polite company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're not polite company anyway. But the, the, the point of the matter is the common law still prevails here in America as long as there's one judge practicing common law and having common sense with common law. These these corporate bigwoods can be brought down, and I think John Gruden is going to win the lawsuit. He says, "I'm going to burn the house down, mm-hmm. and they would ha- they can't write a check big enough to buy me out." <laughs> okay, so yeah, so that's it, what it happens. sounds the way you're describing it like one of these cases on which a great deal could pivot possibly mm-hmm. i don't want to get That's overly right. enthusiastic because i know what they can do after the after the fact sure. but but it sounds like a major decision could be rolling through on this case is that what you're that, what you're that's suggesting? right and, and and applies to economics generally and the contract law generally that mm-hmm. uh, you know if uh, if you're if you're employee if you're an ex-employee of a certain group they can't you know, see what the nfl is trying to do is force him to arbitration Mm-hmm. John Gruden into arbitration, but he's no longer an employee of the NFL. Uh, arbitration's over. Sorry, 
I'm filing a lawsuit and you're gonna I'm gonna want discovery about all these emails that you've been holding back and haven't been uh, you know kind enough to make public right yeah. mm-hmm. he, he's got them over the barrel so to speak okay right. and there's other economic situations here where any anybody who's been treated this way by his or her employer if this case succeeds which I really think it will this could wreak uh, you know legal havoc to well isn't fractional reserve banking fraudulent well i and would they have, yeah i would say it is and, obviously yeah. we would we would say it is uh, i mean when you i've been around that piece of information for so many years and possibly you too i've become a bit mm-hmm. blasé about it um, I don't sort of deliver it with the same sort of vivid volcanic fury I used to deliver it because I've said it so yeah. many times for the last 25 years, you know. It kind of, right. you go a bit sort of bland in the face of it. And I've noticed this with a lot of people that have been involved in this area for a long time. It's literally, you you end up sort of kind of slowly getting wound, <laughs> ground down by it because, right. you, you know, you have to sort of keep seeing it from new eyes. The idea that a service company called a bank can create and supply what is supposedly our money right. when we didn't even ask them to. When no one came Fraud. up to me when I was 10 and said, Paul, there's this private company in, in England and it goes under the name of Bank of England to make you think it is English or something. And the government are going to keep pretending that they're in control of it. And, and that's none of that's true. Are you okay yeah. with them supplying you money and keeping you in debt for most of your life? Yeah, I'm fine right. with that. That's great. Carry on. This is really good. I like struggling against pointless, idiotic odds. That's what's taking yes. place all the time. Yeah, well, it is fraud. It, it's uh, By the way, there was a song by Ronnie Montrose called Paper Money. Which, if you want to, if you yeah, want yeah, songs yeah. about money, you have yeah, paper money. That's a good one. It says it's no, it's not worth a, <laughs> it's not worth a shilling, right? So uh, it's fraud, and the uh, the cover up uh, of the uh, economic fraud by politicians, by lawyers, doctors, you name it, everybody mm-hmm. who's part of the system will cover it up. In fact, there was a statement uh, made by the bankers to the extent that, well, all the people that are part of our system are making so much money off of it, they'll never reveal how it works to the public. Yeah. And if uh, and if somebody, a member of the public, does figure it out, we'll just buy them off. And that's how this system of fractional reserve banking has been running since the creation of the Bank of England. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bank yeah. of England. Uh, you've and, got uh, you've got they, the you've got the Brits to thank for fractional reserve oh, banking, yeah, of right, course. Oh, yeah. Well, well, it involves blackmail and fraud because Does it? they were they, they were using. Uh, am I allowed to say the word whore? Yeah. On uh, public uh, prostitute. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the great horror of the Book of Revelation, that because banksters throughout history have always used the services of prostitutes to blackmail anybody, any politician or English lord or king, such as Charles II, to uh, shut them up if they don't want to cooperate. I've forgotten her name. Huh? It's, it's in the book by Alexander Del Mar, isn't it? And I've forgotten her oh, name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bar- Barbara Villiers. 
Barbara Villiers. That's it. Barbara I just Villiers. pulled that book out by accident. I just pulled it out the other day. Yeah. And it's a, the book, title of the book. I, I recommend it to absolutely everybody. It's free online. It's called The History of Monetary Crimes by Alexander Del Mar. And it, it tells the story of Barbara Villiers, a great whore, <laughs> mm-hmm. who blackmailed all the British lords and King Charles II himself. Yeah. And if you... If you don't play ball with us bankers, all, you, all your wives will find out <laughs> who mm-hmm. you've been sleeping with. Okay? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a movie. Okay. It sounds like a film yeah, script, somebody, Eli. You know what? Yeah, we should make a movie of this. Yeah, uh, who would we who, cast who as Barbara Villiers? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Britney Spears? Well, I don't Maybe. know. It's whoever could remember the lines, I guess. The interesting right, thing yeah, is yeah. what... Give me your money. <laughs> yeah, I've got right, that. You know, it is a brilliant... It's part of a whole series of things that he did. And it's worth... I should really want to point this out as well. If you're not familiar with it, Alexander Del Mar, his books are a bit sort of linguistically top-heavy because he was writing in the 1800s, late 1800s, but... Right. He is a man of Ashkenazi descent, right? Yes, he as is. Our, yes, he as, is. Our, as are most of the banking class on the bad side. But Del Mar right. fought for honest money. His books are quite amazing. Right. They're all about honest money. Absolutely. Honest money. Uh, and he understood the curse of it and his intellectual prowess. I mean, he was over here in England for an awful long time. And I forgot who was so impressed with him. I think, was it John Stuart Mill? It was some philosopher over here was kind of said, this guy, you've got to get this guy talking about money. Because he was hanging right. around here, which is probably yeah. where he did all the research on the book about, you know, Barbara Villiers and all this kind of stuff. But that would, yeah, why has that- there never been a film made about that, Eli? I wonder why. Oh, no. Yeah, good. Because not sexy enough. All you have to do is hire a sexy girl and like to play Barbara Villiers. And there you go. What? You know, yeah. It's all about sex, money, and rock and roll. <laughs> right? And boy, the bankers have been rocking and rolling. <laughs> yeah. The bankers think- have been rocking and rolling since, since the book of Leviticus forbade usury. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They have. And so this is, this is the reality. And, you know, if you want to talk about clout... Mm-hmm. Who's got the most money? You know, the the borrower is beggar to the lender, <laughs> right? That's right. Okay, slave to the lender, and that's that's the nature of. You know, oh, here. So let's talk about honest money, which is basically gold and silver. Okay, and that's our constitution says lawful money is gold and silver. It defines a dollar. Now, everybody, listen. A dollar is defined as 100, and I think it's 73, uh, 0.25 grains of silver. I may have yes. not the exact, uh, it's grains of silver. It's a weight. It's a weight of gold and a weight of silver. That's what a dollar is. Mm-hmm. It's not that piece of paper. You think they just took the name dollar, or the word dollar, and applied it to paper money, which is not, kosher well it's kosher in one sense not kosher in another sense right so it all depends on who puts the money in circulation and can you draw interest from the money that you put into circulation that is the crux of the matter yes it is okay it's absolutely the crux of the matter no one has ever discussed how the people can pragmatically directly own Mm -hmm. their own bank right and with modern, yeah, right. with modern internet technology, 
the uh, the administration of such a thing now is completely achievable very quickly. And and that when you right. put me in charge, Eli, here when I become King Paul, we've never had a King Paul, by the way, and it's probably about time right. we had one. Um, that's the fir- the fir- my first day of duty. I've often thought about this because you know I'm sad and, and one's mind turns to these things. But on a pragmatic level, the first week would be me with the bankers, and they would be charged right. with actually reorganising the entire banking system in favour of the people and not in favour of these people who up to now have benefited astronomically from controlling it i am living in la la land i accept all that the truth of the matter is that just like they used barbara villiers not that i would be susceptible to such a thing heaven forbid but they were they would be using violence and force and poisoning and poisoning and all that kind of stuff because that's what they do because all of the i would say that the root of all of their power comes from this all of it the yes, root of all of right. their power comes from this. And um, that is that quote from, uh, um, was it Mayor Rothschild? You know, give me control over a nation's currency yep. and I care not who makes its laws. I've paraphrased right. it, but that, that is absolutely right. the case. So why would we give control of the currency over to people who whose main priority is to keep extracting value from us? Um, right. For Through their interest. benefit, why would you do? Through why interest. would we do that? Yeah, it's dense, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah, right. So, the, d- despite the fact that certain individuals would say, "Well, usury is not totally forbidden in the Bible because there's cer- certain people can be loaned to, and certain people cannot." However, it's still unjust. Mm-hmm. It's still unjust because what you're, it's also affecting the uh, equality of weights and measures. Yeah. It's, it applies to that too, and there's no way out of that. Yahweh says you, you must have fair, honest, and just weights and measures. You cannot tamper with the weights and the measures yep. and have an honest society. You simply cannot do that. Nope. Okay. It, it's not possible. That's not possible. And yeah. therefore, whoever issues the money and demands interest c- come back on the issuance of the money is violating that commandment. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple, violating that commandment. And uh, I, I know that uh, Cohen, or I mean uh, Calvin, said a little bit of interest is okay. <laughs> a little bit of interest goes a long way, <laughs> Brother Paul. A little Does bit it? of interest goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, right. Because now, right now, the national debt is greater than, I think it's even greater than the gross national product, right? And that's how a little bit of interest goes a long way. The, the longer it keeps on piling up unpaid, well, that's why we have periodic collapses of society because it comes a point where nobody can pay their debts, and so the system has to just collapse. And, of course, the banksters come out on top because they're holding more money, whether it's real money or paper money, than anybody else, and they can just start up a whole new economic system from scratch and be the same overlords they were last time. Mm-hmm. How's the song go uh, by uh, one of your English rock bands? Uh, Meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? Is that is that the Who? That's the Who, isn't the it? The Who. That's right. Well, you know what? Won't I think, get fooled again. Yeah, yep. I think it's I think it's time for us to have a song again. So yeah. uh, this is a B mix. You might not know what a B mix is. I'm going to tell you what it is. A, you talked about that song, Paper Money, right? I've never heard this right? before, but we're going to play it okay. right now. And just okay. 
what a setup has developed here. So there's a chap called Paul yeah. B, and he's remixed this song on the fly, hearing us talk about it. This is now... Oh, really? Yeah, listen, I'm going to let you know what it... A B mix is where the song comes out at 432 hertz, right? It's re oh, retuned okay. to 432 hertz. So this oh, is about... Okay. Yeah, how about this? Four and a half minutes long, everybody. So take a break, but listen in. I've never heard this is before either. Ronnie, man? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Ronnie. Yeah. You still there? What's going on? Let's have a look here. Are you still there? Oh. Well, something's gone rather strange. Anyway, let's play um let's play this. And uh, I think I'm still coming through, aren't I? This is yeah. Ronnie. Yeah, oh cool. Yeah, there you are. Sorry, you threw me. He's uh what's his name? Ronnie Montrose, did you say his name was? Right, yeah, he's an American. Well, there we go. But well, he wrote here this we go. song about paper money. Uh, well, I'm about to play it. Here we go at 432 we go. hertz. Listen. Here we go. Can't wait.
Attention all listeners, are you seeking uninterrupted access to WBN 324 Talk Radio despite incoming censorship hurdles? Well, it's a breeze. Just grab and download Opera Browser, then type in WBN324.ZIL. And stay tuned for unfiltered discussions around the clock. That's WBN324.ZIL. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on the World Broadcasting Network are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of its owners partners and other hosts or this network. Thank you for listening to WBN 324 Talk Radio. Yeah, thank you. And welcome back to part two, slightly just over the hour. It's just gone five past nine in the UK, five past four, US Eastern. I'm here with Eli James discussing the wonderful world of bankers and banking. That was a song called Paper Money by Ronnie Montrose, recently, very recently, just mixed at a new naughty frequency by our regular in-house mixing genius, uh, Paul B. I'm going to end up calling him this now, because that was a B mix. Um, and uh, we've just been discussing, well, all sorts of fun things, haven't we, really? And uh, Eli, let me bring you back in here. That was uh, that was a bit longer okay. and a bit more interesting than I thought it was going to be, actually. I've never heard that before in my yeah. life. Yeah, in my life, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> no, but your your wife may be holding a million-dollar reserve note, and you don't even know it. I, I know. It's, and it's all that lovely paper is worth so much yeah, because right. of the whole force of agreement through the law says it's worth that yeah. much. You know, Yeah, amazing, amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I quite like the paper drumming money, on that. don't hold it. Yeah, mm. paper money don't hold its value. That's the point of the song, right? Yeah. And how many people in the world understand that besides you and me and Ronnie Montrose? Well, I think there's plenty of us. It's just that we, we've okay. yet to find, and we're in very good company, so we shouldn't feel bad about this. We have yet to find the way. What is the on-the-ground on the thing that we have to do okay. to, get, to get things back into the state of honor that they need to be. Now, okay. I know that. Okay, go on. You fire away. I've got. I've got some thoughts. Well, yeah. Well, you fire, fire away. away. That's the. <laughs> what are you going to fire with, and what kind of uh, projectile do you recommend? Okay, because uh, outside of lawfare, mm-hmm. which may give us a a, a window of opportunity. To mm-hmm. expose these bastards yep. and reveal to the world how evil they really are, because you can lay all of the evils of the world on these international bankers with no problem. Mm-hmm. The only, the only, the only uh, obstacle is getting the word out, because the mass media is owned and operated by the same banksters, the uh, news reporting services like UPI, uh, AP. Well, there's are there. There's several others. Reuters. Uh, the Rothschild. Writers, mm-hmm. they're all owned by the same banksters. So mm-hmm. you're not going to get any real information about economics from them. And, no. of course, they own all the, they own the BBC, uh, Deutsche Rundfunk, uh, <laughs> ABC, NBC, CBS, and a- any other. Even, even own the communist networks, too. Okay? They own it all. And there's no way to get around that. Something has to happen. Like, a, Well, actually, let me get, get back to a theme we had started uh, before the break. Namely, they have to have, provide a distraction, another war. And one of these days, one of these wars is not going to go well for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to be ready to take advantage. Again. We do. I okay. mean, their, con- their control over the high ground of the media is the, is the major weapon that they have. 
because obviously they're able to distract. They're able to organize distractions and have the things that they want to distract us on the front page and the important stuff is buried at the bottom of page 37 in six-point type. And then they will still say, well, we printed it and informed you, you see. But no right. one was really looking at that particular time. I mean, I look at um, – I've looked at all the sorts of movements. If, if we look at it when it's happened on a national scale – it is, of course, if we look at National Socialist Germany, of course, some people may be going, what? You know, I understand that because of what people think about that period of history. But like all periods, particularly that one, the the veneer of the uh, court historian's history book is a joke. It's not. It doesn't even come close right. to, to all of that. As we were touching upon in very general terms with Dennis last week, you know, there's an awful lot more to it. But... The point I'm coming to is that they applied it on a national level and the results were spectacular. Mm -hmm. They were spectacular. So what happened because of these spectacular rump, uh, uh, results? What happened was that the country got literally annihilated. That's they right. bombed it into oblivion. That's what they did. That's they right. couldn't allow it to carry on. You know, I've thought about this because there were, back in the 30s, they were getting visits from lots of diplomats and ambassadors you know, turning up in Berlin, going, ooh, this is a lot better than it was in 1928. What's what's going on? What have you done? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You've really tidied right. the place up a bit. That idea was going to percolate and emanate and move around at the speed of light because isn't that what governments are supposed to do? Aren't they supposed to right. do that? Um, so it gets literally destroyed. So on a national level, even though you could implement it, it seems to me that you can only implement it for a certain amount of time before the bankers call in all the favours or however they're manipulating all the other world leaders to basically declare war right. on you and go to bat for them and smash you to pieces. Uh, this is right. what happened to Gaddafi as well, wasn't it? Gaddafi mm -hmm. was doing the noble and right thing of making yeah. the country's economy, putting it at the service of the people, not at the service ba of the bankers. Based on gold. Gold-backed notes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and now how many others in the world have been assassinated because they want to institute honest money? How many leaders? Uh, I, can, I can point uh, four American presidents at least. Mm -hmm. And Huey P. Long, in addition to that. Yes. And, uh, uh, Congressman uh, Louis T. McFadden, yep. uh, also assassinated because they wanted honest money, and the banksters were simply, rather than discuss this matter openly as we are doing now, they chose to assassinate the guy who is uh, proclaiming honest money needs to be reinstituted. This is how evil these people are. If you haven't figured that out yet, all the people listening who don't know much about economics, that is how evil these people are you're absolutely you're 100 correct and of course when you if you spend time thinking about the leverage that they have it's not only over the public mind courtesy of mainstream media but it's also in terms of their coercive force that they have over a now thoroughly corrupted so-called political class um, right. who, who are going to be maneuvered i mean even if you got two or three honourable politicians getting into our Houses of Parliament. The, the question is, for how long could they remain honourable or would they have to leave? Because I just think mm -hmm. that they would be coerced so badly by what is effectively a rotten environment, an environment that drags good, intelligent people down. And, of course, w w um, 
the other aspect to it, which was mentioned here a few weeks ago by Eric von Essex, and I've seen your uh, your record request, Eric. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> I'll tell you about that a little bit later, Eli. <laughs> but we were talking about in here, okay. in, in, the, in the case of England, we talk about where do this banking and political class come from? Well, it's reared in these public schools like Eton and Oxford and Cambridge and all these other places like that. And right. nothing gets broken. These people are establishment people from the minute they're born, basically. They're going to go through that kind of stuff. And from a right. communications point of view, they are impervious to what that what they would consider the bleatings of people like you and me, Eli. They're not they're not going to listen. I mean literally yeah, absolutely. On, on any level, they can't listen. So Approaching them, you know, I think I should just write a polite letter. Dear so-and-so, could you just sort out the banking system that actually works for the British, please? We've got, right. Would you just mind awfully getting on with that? You know, it's just a polite request for you to do the honourable and decent thing. Of course, uh, we're not going to get anywhere with, I assume, maybe I should just start writing the letters and say, oh, that's very rude, you know, you wouldn't even write back and things like that. Yeah. But what, what yeah. I have been, oh, what I tend letter. to think of... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you get a yeah. form letter. Yeah, I just get a form letter. Response. Yeah, you are the 34th person this year that has written about an honest bank, and we're not looking at it. We'd like a dishonest one. We like it the way it is. And, um, yeah, that's right. Okay, fair enough. So then people have formed political parties to deal with it. I mean, in Canada, they had a success. Was it after the war? Or there was a, a party that actually implemented um, a kind of C.H. Uh, Douglas social credit system. I think they were called the Canadian Social Credit Party, something up in Alberta or somewhere like that. I'm, I'm, I'm muddled, so my apologies yeah. Yeah, to Canadian listeners for getting the provinces all wrong, probably. But uh, they, they certainly were effective. They're a very large following. And, of course, the essence of that is what we're talking about, making the economy work for the people, not the other way around. And, right. Uh, this- or making the government work for the people rather than for the banks. Yes. Because that's Remove, the way it is. They get, it it yeah. is the way it is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they, they've yeah. they've broken governments in terms of governments being able to fulfill any honourable uh, function. Right. They, they can't do it. Uh, they're broken. So why would you go into that space? What I tend to keep thinking of, and maybe this is asinine as well, but really this is open to people out there. You want to call in and come up with some brilliant ideas, please do. But what I tend to, my mind tends to move towards a thing called a consumer pressure group. This sounds awfully glib and sort of trite in a way, but people over here, we had this character, this woman in the 60s, I was very, very young at the time, so all I knew is that she was a figure of fun, called Mary Whitehouse, and she she dressed in a very sort of stuffy kind of uh, old lady type way of that period, nothing wrong with that, she had the sort of horn-rimmed glasses and everything and a large hat. And she was campaigning against the permissive society. She said, it's wrong. It's not moral. She She's turned out to be correct about everything, mm. of course, but she was derided massively in the 60s because it was miniskirts and everything, swinging 60s and all that kind of stuff. So she was this mm. great butt of jokes forever and ever and ever, really, I suppose, and, and took an awful lot of flack. Sure. sure. But the idea of a consumer yeah. pressure group... Lady. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just sort of... I like the phrase, maybe that's just pathetic, but... We want to consume good banking, and we don't. Right. We're fed rotten banking. The product that comes from banks is absolute crap. In any other industry, they'd be shut down, right? It's sure. it's an it's an abuse. It doesn't do what it says on the tin at all. It doesn't retain well, its purchasing uh, okay. power. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. It doesn't do the right thing. So it's rubbish. You know. Suppose you went to a bar and you ordered a scot a scot a shot mm-hmm. a shot of scotch, right? Mm-hmm. 
But instead of getting a shot of scotch, say that a hundred times in a row, mm-hmm. uh, full to the brim of your shot glass, the guy pours in 90% water and then a little bit of scotch. Mm-hmm. Are you getting your money's worth? I, I don't think you're getting what you requested, what you asked for, That's, what the verbal contract was about. You didn't get it. That's right. One party has mm-hmm. not performed to the terms of the contract, okay. have they? Yeah. Yeah. The 90% is the inflation of paper money, unbacked paper money, mm-hmm. fiat money. And that's what the banking system of the world is operating on. And that's why you have this gargantuan inflation rate well, since 1971. You know, I, 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 let me put it this way. I bought a brand new car, an Opel Cadet in 1967 for $2,000. Right. That's all I paid for it in 1967. Mm-hmm. Beautiful car. Worked great. Today, you have to be paying close to $100,000 for the same car. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was made out of metal, <laughs> not, not plastic like yeah. cars are today, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it had a very economical engine, got you know, about 40, 50 miles a gallon, and it was a great car. But uh, the, the, the value of these cars has not changed. In fact, they've cheap, cheapified. Mm-hmm. Like a better word, the production standards of all these vehicles that are not all metal, they're plastic and uh, then have all those other government sponsored stuff to pretend that the government is protecting you with, with climate change. Anyway, so the inflation rate far exceeds the value of these cars, far exceeds. OK, so it's inflation. That, that's and it's paper money getting back to paper money running out of control. And but who's now the question is, who is issuing the money? Who is putting it into circulation? It's certainly not the government. It is the bankers, as you started out saying in the previous hour, uh, the Federal Reserve, it's not federal, there's no reserve and it's not a bank. (laughs) It's actually the Federal Reserve Board. And it just controls the issuance of the money. It it has the US uh, Secretary of the Treasury stamp on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, once those are printed, they're handed over to the banksters at the printing, um, at the cost of printing the, those bills. And yep. then it's the Federal Reserve that puts them into circulation through its various banking branches. Okay, mm-hmm. They do not have any reserves. They're, they're not a bank that provides any loans. They're, they're exclusively a bank of issuance. They issue the currency in the name of the United States, but it's a private corporation run for the bankers, by the banksters, and of the banksters, and nobody knows it. Well, it's because it's private. You know, on one level, mm-hmm. you, you can, we can – our criticisms of the way that banks operate are valid and true. Of course, they've developed those systems because it's private. Those yeah. ways of issuing and controlling debt, interest rates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, those are the product of a private banking system. That's what private – what a bank in private hands will end up doing because the people in that private club are saying this bank is for our benefit we are to make a profit from it it is to give us the purchasing power and maybe some for our customers but really it's for us you know without us the economy wouldn't function properly that's what they say this is the lie of course that their mainstream media have been foisting on us ever since they started up this sort of thing so if you leave a group of men to to build a bank that's what they're going to do it's going to just descend into that it'll do nothing else that's all it can do so this is why i keep thinking 
that we we certainly have, there's no technological barrier now to issuing a share certificate to every human being in a nation. You could do that if that's what you want to do. That could be done. Of course, they say, well, you don't want to leave it to the government. Well, okay, well, you could maybe put the issuing of the certificates out to contract and a private company could do it. But you need a system that's local, decentralised and easily accessible and managed by people. There's nothing wrong with cash. People say, what about these international transactions? You'll sort it out. We don't need so many. It's far too much point, in my view, a lot of pointless busyness. The whole, in other words, because of this type of money that has been injected into civilization, interest-bearing debt money, practically everything that we do is distorted by it. We don't see the world straight because of it. We can't. We emphasize, we have different goals, you know, the idea that, and I've gone through this phase like every young man does, and even middle-aged man, you know, I, I seem to have cast it off now, but this, I've got to make a lot of money because I associate this with having more stuff, and if I've got more stuff, my right. life's going to work better, and I've got to learn these things to do this stuff, and so yeah. many people are doing utterly pointless tasks for example the insurance industry you could have a computer run the whole of that so because the emphasis has become on making money because this emanates from the private bank in the first instance you know their whole thing is this disease is picked up by everybody else everybody is doing this kind of stuff and are doing whatever in many cases whatever is necessary to make a profit whereas in fact it's just a paper profit it puts a further demand and drain onto everybody else. And it's not building a happy, economically balanced situation at all. It's completely mad. You know, it is totally mad. Or to put it in percentages, you get a 10% pay raise, but the inflation rate is 100%. Mm -hmm. You're losing 90%. Yeah. Okay. You are. Yeah, you, yeah, that's how you're being taken advantage of, okay? Now, uh, you mentioned the 1800s, and uh, I really have to talk about Abraham Lincoln here because... Uh, oh, must you. He's been, <laughs> yes, yeah, he's, he's almost as vilified as Jesus Christ. Well, the fact of the matter is, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated by the Rothschilds because he put the greenbacks into circulation. Uh, Abraham Lincoln went, as I mentioned earlier, went uh, to in order to finance the war from the north side, here, north side of Chicago. Actually, kind of it works out north side of Chicago because yeah. the guy that gave him the idea for the greenbacks was Colonel Dick Taylor of Chicago. He said, "Well, okay, you went to the Rothschilds and they said the only way we're going to lend you money is if you borrow." at 28 to 36 percent interest i can't afford that i can't put the country in debt so mm-hmm. just and he said just print your own money just print fiat money and spend it into circulation mm-hmm. and see how it goes and it went really well, it went really oh, well. you don't say and, yeah it went really well but he yeah. did not inflate the currency this is the temptation of all governments when they do resort to fiat money which happens occasionally okay yeah. like a civil war and they keep on churning the printing presses so that the initial outlay of money becomes less worthless by the additional all the additional outlay of money. Okay, mm-hmm. if you can yeah. keep the uh, money stable, it will, you will actually have an inflationary uh, deflationary spiral, where the paper money will gain value. In other words, the, the dollar you issued because the economy is so prosperous, uh, everybody's producing more and more widgets like railroads. 
like yeah. railroads and guns and cannons and all that. I mean, the war, the war industry is just going crazy. And uh, but the, what Abraham Lincoln said about all this was, I have given you a currency which does not require you to pay one penny's worth of interest to a banker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's the the guy that advised him advised him right. There are there are other yeah. challenges with it, but they're minute in comparison to this right. one, and oh, that is, yeah. uh, and that's why you would have a government as long as it's transparent. Ho ho ho! You know, we sound so naive. I mean, I'm fully aware of what I'm saying. You know, it's not as if I'm not aware of how yeah. people really operate. But you've got to start off with where you you think we ought to be, and that is obviously how things should be. I mean, if we formed a political party and said, right, uh, the per- we really only have one task actually this party we understand there's a lot of problems in the world but our view is that all of those problems are influenced so much by this one problem that none of the experts currently really know the true extent of any of these problems because they're all infected with this foul degenerating money you can't actually measure anything it's like being like you were talking about tape measures earlier it's as if i was issuing tape measures in my factory and i varied the inch on Mondays and Wednesdays, right. every, those manufacturers, the ones that we make on Mondays and Wednesdays, they're a bit shorter, and then Fridays yeah, is really those long. Those cars are smaller. Yeah, and then I pass all these tape measures out into the local city, and all the buildings just don't go upright. They go, well, right. oh, look. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it's collapsing. like. Yeah. And then someone says, now we've got to form a tape measure committee. It creates jobs and jobs that are all completely pointless. It's just, it's parasitical madness. And of course, no one can get to the bottom of anything because they've not looked at the money. They've not said, is this money that we're using any cop? Is it any good? No, it's rubbish. It's junk. It's really low grade, you know plastic crap type money to use an old phrase from round here right you know you mentioned about plastic and stuff plastic's amazing stuff although it's you know almost impossible to get rid of these days but that's the gist of it how can you possibly if you're an engineer how can you possibly say anything with any certainty if the quality of the materials that have gone into whatever it is that you've built varied from day to day as you were building it? You go, mm-hmm. will it stand up, Mr. Smith? I don't know. Uh, actually, what do you mean? that's true these days. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose yeah, you'd know better than me. me yeah, yeah uh, somebody told me, you know, how a, a two by four is supposed to be two inches by four inches. Yes. Well, it's now one and a half by one, uh, three and a half, okay? But right. somebody told me they're making them even smaller now. <laughs> but they're still yeah. calling them a two before. They're <laughs> still called two by fours, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah, that that's my, uh, what's it? linguistic inflation, mm-hmm. right? Everything's being inflated. But mm-hmm. now, now this is the same system that Hitler put into into practice during du- during his heyday. Yeah. It was it was uh, essentially paper money, fiat money, put out by the government. But the government was using it to. Uh, was was uh, doing infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, like the promise that Obama made but never kept. I'm going to issue thirty <laughs> trillion dollars, but I'm going to create infrastructure with it. No, he never did any such thing, right? No. Okay, because the bankers want to control how much what gets spent on where, on That's whether right. it's on infrastructure or war. Mm-hmm. Well, war's preferable because it destroys all the things they lent money for, which means you've got to come back next year and borrow more money to rebuild it all. There you go. There you go. It's a never-ending. It's never-ending because if if they've decided that they're a profit-making business, which they have, which they should not be, right? But seeing as how they've decided that, then they look at the ways that they can generate the most profit. And ultimately, it's not about having any more money because they've got plenty of that. It's actually 
control. And the real control that they're after is that you don't get the money. It's not that they need right. more. It's that you can't have any more right. because you'll become difficult to govern if you right. are uh, established. If you don't, if you can get up on a morning and don't have to work too much on things that you don't want to do, you could start to work on things that you really have wanted to do your entire life. And people say, "Well, we need jobs, jobs, jobs." No, we don't. We don't need jobs at all. We need intelligent structuring. That used to be the case. When there's a yeah. shortage of things, I'm not arguing for indolence, by the way, or for an unstructured approach. Yeah. I'm just saying we don't know because everything is driven by this sort of sense of urgency and imperative. The economy, the economy. And you're going, are you mad? Right? I mean, like if we actually write down a list, if you write down a list, if the listeners here were to sit down and just casually think about what they need in life to keep it ticking over nicely so that they can have free thinking time, that's something that the governmental class don't want right. at all. They don't want you thinking independently in your own spare time. It's yeah. not a lot. Eli, is it? It's a, it's tra- you yeah. mentioned a car. It's transportation. It's somewhere to live in a maintenance budget to keep it in a good state of repair so that it's warm in the winter. I know you're challenged with that right now. And, you know, right. uh, cool and fresh in the, in the summer. You need a clothing budget. You need fresh water and power into your house and a communications Clean underwear. Thing. Clean underwear. <laughs> you need a clothing budget. And you maybe need a little bit to go on a, on a break every now and again. That's it. Yeah. That, that's it. It's not a lot. Right. It's seven or eight key items. And apparently, this is really difficult to do. Well, it's not. Of course, it's really difficult right. to do when you've got a central bank like okay. this that's distorting everything that we do every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. It's bound okay. to be. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm tooting the, uh, the Lincoln horn today because the <laughs> neo-Confederates, they like to blame everything on Lincoln. He did not start the Civil War. They started seceding before he came, became president, and the Southern Coalition yeah. walked out on the Democratic Party during the convention, leaving it hanging. They, they I, th- I think out. there's a wonderful discussion to be had, which I'd love to sit in on with you and another gentleman yeah. who, who's written a couple of books. I'm not saying you're adversarial. I just think there's different no. points. But I would love to hear it because oh, sure. um, because it's not really a U.S. civil. I just view it as another banker's war, basically. That's, That's exactly. I, That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was planned right after the end of the War of 1812. Yes. And the, the British Empire had to divest itself of slaves. Yeah, in order to pr- promote the idea of that we're anti-slavery, right? Because they mm-hmm. knew that the way to create the civil war was to uh, antagonize these two groups against one another with funding, secret funding, by people like the Secret Six in the North and by Judah P. Benjamin in the South, right? Yes, and a lot of Freemasons, Freemasons on both sides. No, <laughs> no. are you and sure? The, and the those Knights naughty of the Golden Circle. Yeah. No, all of those, those, all those secret societies that don't exist and really aren't very secret if you mm-hmm. really read good history books, okay? But let me just quote you what Abraham Lincoln said about this whole situation, labor versus capital. Now, talk about plain, simple language. Quote, labor is prior to and independent of capital. Capital is only the fruit of labor and could never have existed if labor had not first existed. Mm -hmm. Labor is superior to capital and deserves much the higher consideration. Capital has its rights, which are as worthy of protection as any other rights. Nor is it denied that there is and probably always will be a relationship between capital and labor. Not necessarily banksters. 
Mm-hmm. Capital does not necessarily mean banksters. No. Producing mutual, but somebody has to provide the money that makes the engine turn, right? The error is in assuming that the whole labor of community exists within that relation that is between the capital capitalists and the workers. Yes. In most of the southern states, a majority of the whole people of all colors are neither slaves nor masters, while in the northern, a large majority are neither hirers nor hired. So who produced all the stuff? Mm-hmm. Certainly not the banksters. No. Certainly not the capital. No. You don't need stinking capital if you're if you have gold and silver. You don't. Yeah. You also have you to don't. have that correct framework of law without which you see if you've got people that are coming in with different law systems in the back of their head, and this is the case in banking. There are certain ethnicities in banking that predominate who have a totally different legal framework in their head and operate totally differently. It can't work. I mean, it can work to the advantage of one and to the uh, deficit of another. And that's obviously what has occurred as this system of ruin has matured over the last several centuries. Um, In in many ways, the computer has kind of saved them, has given them the next bout of stuff to go at. You know, if they're always picking on areas where they can inflate the money supply always Mm -hmm. and then it then it's contracted and as it contracts they pick up the real underlying assets isn't that the story of what happened in in the wall street crash all of these things you know the farms were picked up for a song uh in in wherever it was the midwest Mm -hmm. or wherever the great areas were that were affected song called paper money (laughs) they were Mm -hmm. just singing that song in the the 30s right and blackrock are doing it right now with these companies i'm talking about here saying we'll buy your house up we're going to put, you know, you won't have ownership. I mean, the whole idea about ownership, I'm kind of with the Red Indians on this one. I don't think you can actually really own a thing. I don't even know what it means. I think it just basically means that you've got first call on it. You're the decision maker about this asset called your house. Right. You get you to decide who walks. Keep somebody from stealing it. Yeah, right? keep someone from stealing it. You decide who comes over the threshold and who doesn't, who leaves the threshold quickly if they're being a nuisance, etc., etc. You have that kind of dominion, or at least you're supposed to have. That's what you're supposed to have the main reason i think for ownership though is to make sure that they the 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 bankster class can't own it over you but that's exactly what they're seeking to do right now they're moving to this next phase where they're generating money in such a way and putting it in the hands of organizations like this and they're just buying it up so they're thinking in a totally different way they don't think about making a profit they've already got all the money system in their pocket to start off with this is absolutely about control and manipulating the world in a way that they see fit and of course their ideas are particularly shallow ropey and poor they're just bad they come from inbreds it's not that they're not cunning or intelligent or clever they're all of those things but wise i think not and by their fruits you shall know them you know and what are their fruits ruin permanent sort of economic cycles idiocy lying the controlling of everything all of this kind of stuff the manipulation of the pharmaceutical industry i mean pharmaceuticals about making money you don't want to yep. cure people. If you want to make money, you want to have patients, don't you, <laughs> who are permanently taking your stuff. So every single area of our life. Now, Eli, yep. somebody, um, Eric Von Essex, it's your lucky day. Uh, well, maybe okay. you're having lots yeah. of lucky days. Eric wrote a thing and he said, I want to hear this next song. So I'm going to play it for a few minutes. This is a B-mix. Paul just shut off and mixed it. Here we go. Uh, Three-minute break, uh, second break, and then we'll be wrapping up for the rest of the show. Here we go.
Attention all listeners, are you seeking uninterrupted access to WBN 324 Talk Radio despite incoming censorship hurdles? 
Well, it's a breeze. Just grab and download Opera Browser, then type in WBN324.ZIL. And stay tuned for unfiltered discussions around the clock. That's WBN324.ZIL. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on the World Broadcasting Network are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of its owners, partners, and other hosts or this network. Thank you for listening to WBN324 Talk Radio. Welcome back to the last 20 minutes or so of the show. This is Paul English Live. We're here every Thursday at uh, 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. in the U.K. And uh, yes, our views certainly do not reflect the views and opinions of central bankers. Uh, I yeah. don't, do they, Eli? No, they don't. Yeah, no, no, no. no hardly. So. We're 180 degrees diametrically opposed to the entire idea of central bankers. We, we really okay. are, yeah. We don't like them yes. at all. Uh, because by their fruits shall ye know them, and their fruits are stinky, right. rotten pieces of useless junk, yeah. and we want rid of the whole thing. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know what other U.S. president tried to do the same thing that Lincoln did, although in a more technically approved way. Who was that? How about J- JFK? I think that there's a case for that. I know there's a lots of uh, theories about why he was uh, destroyed that day in Dallas. I, I think there's a right. lot of things going on. Certainly, I think the the nuclear uh, thing with Israel is a key part of it. But certainly, oh, yeah. the treasury the treasury bill act that he signed. I mean, that, you know, if people think, well, how do you do it? Well, it's quite, we have a thing called a treasury, which is owned by the government. We have one here in the UK. Right. You have one, apparently, in America as well. That's the entity that if we were That's- operating on a, on a straight wicket, you know, with a clean bat and all these sorts of analogies, yeah. right. uh, and not on a sticky wicket with a bent bat, which is where we are, then the treasury of our nations would be the ones that would be transparently operating uh, at our behest and would basically say right. the purpose of this treasury is to make sure that we furnish as best we can sufficient purchasing power into right. the economy to satisfy the exchange of goods and services. Right. That's all it's about. It's not about hoarding vast right. quantities of wealth. I mean, that's another thing. People exactly. hoard money as a defense against inflation. What? what you, it's, right. All of these activities <laughs> that we do in our well, life, it's just mad. It's mad. The whole thing's mad. Yeah. Well, if you're going to hoard gold, that makes sense against inflation. But yeah. hoarding paper money as defense against inflation, that does not work. That's not what you want to do. But, yeah, if the government, like the Treasury Department, simply spent that money into circulation, they could even spend it on a war. At least mm-hmm. it would go to American corporations, hopefully, right, <laughs> and stimulate the economy, right? Okay, but here, uh, here's what the bankers themselves thought about the Lincoln Greenbacks. It was published in the London Times. And what, we, what year was this? Well, this is right after, shortly after Lincoln issued the Greenbacks. He, they said this, If that mischievous financial policy, which had its origin in the North American Republic, should become endurated down to a fixture, or should last forever, Mm-hmm. Then that government will furnish its own money without cost. I know. Hmm. Huh? I, I mean, know. Uh, no banker Outrageous. will get a dime's worth of interest out of that. How? What a horrible idea to continue. It will pay off its debts and be without debt. It will have all the money necessary to carry on its commerce. It will become prosperous beyond precedent in the history of the civilized governments of the world. The brains and the wealth of all countries will go to North America. 
that government, listen now, that government must be destroyed or it will destroy every monarchy on the globe. Of course, this is Rothschild speaking on behalf of monarchy, mm-hmm. not on behalf of international banksterism. Yes. All right? All right, folks? Mm-hmm. And they don't give the date that this, but it was a London Times statement by the bankers against uh, the greenbacks. You just I look know. that up. It's that wonderful okay. phrase, indurated down to a fixture. Yeah, Where, right. You've got to go, look, you're a bunch of crooks, but that's a very good line. So I'll give you yeah, your tip right. of the hat. Yeah. It's the same problem I have with Churchill. He, well, said he puts things brilliantly. It's just that he was bent all out of whack most of his life. So well, now uh, international banking has become indurated down to a fixture, has it not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has. It has. So how do we fix it? Anyway, listen, you can hear some little murmurings there in the background, Eli, possibly. There's a little murmuring taking place. So this is our sound chap. (laughs) He's very sound. Paul B., welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Paul, for doing those mixes. That last one, I haven't heard that in years. I haven't heard that one, wide-eyed and legless. Yeah. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it it sounded so so smooth that uh, you'd almost think there was nothing wrong with the world. (laughs) Yeah. When you listen to it. Easy listening jazz, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, Paul, sound, you sound like you're going to be the host of a late-night jazz show on radio. Hello. <laughs> You've got that thing going oh, on. Oh, I don't you? know. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to have Warren make uh, make the request for the songs to play because he's obviously much better than him. Um, yeah. And actually, Warren said that the sound in the sound in Rumble is gone again. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, oh. chaps. I have no idea. I've got no control over Rumble. I think we're going to have to call it Grumble from now on because it's appropriate what's taking place. The first time we've had anything happen like this, I normally am the one that cock it up. But I can assure you, not that it makes any difference if you can't hear me, um, that everything here is just showing good. Uh, the feed's going out, all the connections going out. So we're being we've been rumbled by Rumble, have we? I don't know. Maybe they don't like us talking about bankers. Maybe that's what's yeah. happening. But it's not that big an no. audience, really. You wouldn't think that they'd get too upset about no. this, really. Not no, they don't want anybody talking about. Well, it's not a big audience way, here on Rumble. It, it yeah. is out on WBN three two four. You know, so I hope you know yeah. we're obviously providing that there, but. Yeah, well, look, as I've said to people before, this is a sort of, it's a radio show. We push it out on video platforms, or that's the idea. Um, Sound is back. (laughs) It's like like a football match going on. Thanks, Warren. (laughs) It's brilliant. It's it's good for for radio to have the sound back. (laughs) It it, it is, yeah. Yeah. I think think the radio is getting us all the time, Eli. It's just the audio going out to the video platform is is pooping but gentlemen while i have you here while we have what um 13 minutes or so left of showtime in terms of const- a constructive project to give us what we need which is the removal of crooked bankers and the ownership <laughs> we need to own a what have you got any ideas i'm going to tell you one thing as i said the, the main thing i feel is a consumer pressure group. I don't quite know what I mean by that. But I've thought about just forming a thing called the Bank of Britain. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's not, and when I spoke to somebody about it two or three years ago, they said, oh, great. So, well, we can set it up and do it. I said, no, 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 I don't want it to actually operate as a bank. No, no, I don't, I want, I don't want it to mm-hmm. be a bank. It's called the Bank of Britain as a flag 
to suggest to everybody that sees it that we actually do need a Bank of Britain. And when I say we, I mean the account holders. It's the bank owned by the account holders, not owned by the management, the service side of things. They work for us. Now, this is, I know, lightweight stuff. People go, you're you're barking, you're barking mad. You'll never make that happen. But we, we don't make anything else happen either. So, that's what I tend to think about. I mean, uh, of course, my personal experience talking to people who don't know anything about banking is not a good one. <laughs> they do go to sleep very, very quickly. It's almost, it's it's yeah. better than a nighttime story for adults. Do you want to say, oh, I've got to go. They look at their watch and they shuffle around and, and I completely understand. But something, I have to, we have to find a way of setting their pants on fire such that they can't move. So that's all I've, that's all I've thought about. It's a very thin sort of framework for stuff, but... We need you need a Bank of America that's owned by Americans, if that's what you're going to call yourselves, or right. a Bank of Texas, or a bank. You know, you need your state banks, but they need to be done right. Uh, how is that to be done? That where is the weakness? The weakness lies. A part of the weakness is that our our fellow citizens, the people that we live with, all of them are prone to greed. They are. Right, so if someone comes around the back of the bike sheds and offers them twenty five thousand dollars to do a thing, many people are going to say yes, and that's how it all starts to build up again. This sort of the decay in the operating and the behaviour of people. So how we actually regulate that or police it, or if it, even if it could be done, is a is a massive sort of topic in and of itself. But any steps in the right direction would be good ones, I think, and. You know, we need to get the idea around that if there's going to be a national bank and there needs to be one, then it needs to be owned by the nationals. That is, the people of the nation to which the bank uh, is providing service. I should own, I'm serious, I should own the Bank of England in part. So should all the listeners here who are British. All you Americans should own the Bank of America. How do we bring that about as an idea? How many years would it take? (laughs) Fifty? I mean, where do we get the communications firepower to get the message across? But that's my little, very thin and undetailed offering. I mean, that's that's really where I'm at. Just looking at the, at the failures of other attempts, politically it doesn't seem to work because it steps the temperature up so fast, people end up getting assassinated, as we've just said with JFK. If you mm-hmm. do it on a national level, level, you get bombed. We need maybe something that's like, I don't know, fungus or something, or like mold. It just pops up and slowly overwhelms them with its very, you know, something like that. Any well, ideas, I, I gents? Think an example's already been made. Yeah? An, an example's already been made. I mean, uh, George Bailey gave us the prime example. The movie... Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. The reason it's a Wonderful Life is because there was the Bailey's Building and Loan. What we do is we create small building and loans where local people can put their money in a bank and that money can be loaned at low interest rates to locals that want to build a house or they want to buy a car or whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. The model has already been there. And, and I'm, I'm willing to bet that just about everybody on the planet has seen that model in action. Yes. So why not? It's already been there. Yeah. As so, opposed to, as, as, as opposed to your example with the tape measures. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if the banksters owned the hardware stores that were selling the tape measures, yes, they would sell a different tape measure on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> the inches would be eight tenths of an inch and not an inch. And they would sell it for 20% more because if you're using that tape measure to bill your customers, Mm -hmm. 
they're going to pay more for their lumber. And it'll mm-hmm. cost you less because you'll only need eight-tenths of a board foot mm-hmm. instead of a whole board foot. Yep. Yep, so you're thinking win. like a money changer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, actually, Eli, the purpose of this show was not to make that happen. We're trying to do no, the other. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're trying to go national, in the other direction. Sorry, sorry. A truly national <laughs> no, it's good, bank. Yeah. A truly national bank would have no, let me choose my words carefully, no pharisites operating the bank. Mm-hmm. Pharisites right. would be f- forbidden to get into the banking business. As well, they, they could get in into the, the banking business for their own nation. That's fine. I don't have a problem with right, any of that. Yeah, if they want to, but not it's, for America. <laughs> well, no, I mean, or this Britain. is where we... Yeah, and this is where we get back to this definition. We have to sort of be very clear about the, the fundamentals, about who's going to get an account there, you know, mm-hmm. because I know who I mean by the British, and now I'm already in right. trouble. I'm already in trouble just for thinking that thought. In fact, I better go and lock myself. I better go and arrest myself a bit later for thinking something. Thought crime is not yet here, but uh, but when it when it turns up, we should all be arresting ourselves regularly for those naughty thoughts that we keep having. Oh, I just thought this terrible right. thing, officer. Did you? Yeah, you need to lock me up. So yeah, and uh, it reminds me of you know the whole principle of a national republic is it requires honest people to run it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And if you have crooks who are always figuring out angles to get ahead of the honest people, then they're going to get in there and destroy it all over again, right? Mm -hmm. They cannot be allowed to inveigle themselves into the system ever again. But that's looking ahead to when we can actually build something. Right now, I think the question is, how do we dislodge How do we dislodge the parasite? From uh, you know that that warm, cozy place in our gut that, uh, that they just eat our food, right, and then give us poop in turn for our food, right? Ooh, this is taking a, a decidedly at. nasty turn. This conversation. Yeah, there's a metaphor there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's okay. Very gruesome, a but well done. Metaphor. I'm sure the image has gone into everybody's brain now. So there you go, I, I keep right. thinking. You know, you're talking. You were just mentioning there, Eli, about. Um, uh, corruption and uh, you know the mm-hmm. the requirement for honest people, but of course we need we need law. There has to be a measurement of law, and there has to be penalties for breaking it. We we yeah, think right. it looks that way to me historically that if yes, you don't have that, what what you think is civilization is very soon turning into a toilet, which is currently the condition that we're living in right now. And I'm yeah. going to go back and mention this thing that Ezra Pound discovered. You know when he put Mullins on the trail uh, of researching the Federal Reserve, this great book the great first the great classic of conspiracy books as it were to actually find out that there really was a conspiracy managing and organizing the federal reserve and the whole history of banking in america was much easy more easy for him to discover than it would have been here in england but the Uh one thing that pound discovered uh i mean there were many things but a thing that pound came across was about why the byzantine empire had endured for so long, the longest empire we know of in recorded history, longer than Egypt, mm-hmm. longer than anything, some 11, 1,200 years this thing lasted, from 340 to 1,400 nods, something like that, right? right? And they had a rule in place, and this rule obviously is a key part about their longevity, apart from a conviction in the laws of God, which was, you know, it's basically the Eastern Christian Roman Empire out there. Um, but in the fields of government banking, law, and education, 
aliens, i.e. non-Byzantines, were not allowed to occupy any positions of power at all. Now, I would add media ownership to that four because it's a major force these days. But if you were to say, look, yeah, at all of those things, and you go, well, how are you Mm going to bring that about? Well, I don't know, but we've got to at least get the idea. You know, if if we don't go in the direction of the of the idea, where are we headed? You know, so that's why it lasted so long. Yeah, the only thing thing that I've the only thing that I've been able to come up with over the years is an organized boycott mm-hmm. and have a, a, a list of businesses that are honest and not run by these aliens that uh, we can trust. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, th- I think that's really only peaceful way. I, I can't think of any other peaceful way. The other, the other way is the second amendment <laughs> and yeah. it may come to that. It probably will come to that. Okay. And then bankers better beware if it comes to that. Yes. It's going to be okay. a really short list. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Have you done it? Have you finished yeah. it off, Paul? Have you got the list done? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm probably well, having you know, a few minutes. Yeah, every yeah. revolution has started with a handful of people like Jesus and 12 apostles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody has to start it and it'll catch on. Right. Yeah. yeah and boycott the internationalists. Because they're running the show, even though they have no legal right to. Yeah. None whatsoever. Yeah. Eric Eric von Essex, who was lucky enough to have his record played out tonight. By the way, Eric, that was a great choice. I hadn't heard that in donkey's years, that thing. Uh, I never liked it as a kid, but I like it now. It's a wonderful arrangement. <laughs> but he's, he's just yeah. written this. He said, the most important way of destroying the system is to make as many people as possible know about usury. It's definitely mm-hmm. a key ingredient. I would Very agree good. with you. It's a it's a key ingredient to doing that. Absolutely, um, and uh, to explain to them really why their <laughs> why their lives are being chewed up by this kind of hidden force. I do view it as a kind of black magic because the mind goes into darkness very quickly when you're confronted with this. Comp- unnecessary over complexity which they've created of course you know to to basically cover their tracks all that kind of stuff you yeah. know mm. oh, by the way one more uh, item paul two uh <laughs> the other paul <laughs> the uh, yes. the muslim system rather than having a percentage of money given out they simply charge a service fee at whenever it is given out so i guess if you borrow a thousand you have to pay them back 10 percent. but that's the end of it there's yeah. no more payback of interest, okay? So that's a much more fair, if, if there is such a thing as a totally fair economic system, that's much more fair than constantly having be charged interest over and over and over again. Yeah. Yes. Right. They basically charge a service fee. Yes. So it's, possi- it's possible a service fee is right. You go, there's a fee for arranging this loan, whether it's $10, $10 or $10 million. It's the same Somebody piece of paper. It's it. just... Yeah, someone has to do it. So there's a fee for doing that. Gentlemen, we're, we're at the last minute, really, of the show. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I want to Listen, keep talking. We, yeah, yeah. Well, you can keep talking, but I don't know whether anybody's going to hear us on Rumble. I just want to say goodbye to everybody on WBN. So thanks for listening. We've been with you here for the last couple of uh, couple of hours. We're going to be back uh, next week uh, for ooh, number 21. So the, the weeks are flying by now. Back here at 3 p.m. next Thursday with two hours uh, with guests and talking and banking stuff. Isn't it fun, banking? Oh, we all love it so much. So we'll see you here next week. And thanks to my guests, uh, Eli. Eli, it's been fantastic to have you. You will be returning quite often, I can assure you of that. And Paul, of course, for your great mixing abilities. I'll keep the channel open to rumble, but we're going to leave the radio station any second now. Bye for now, everyone. Mm-hmm.